That was when I ruled the world. It reminds me of, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, before his conversion, in the book of Acts, before the first nine chapters, or during the first nine chapters, during his life. It's kind of how he was living his life, feeling like he was ruling the world, feeling like he was engaged in the best, most important thing that he could be engaged and invested in. And then we come to Acts chapter 9. And Paul, in this one chapter, has this beautiful and powerful conversion experience. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of kind of a Red Sea moment. Actually, not just for Paul, but really for the whole church. That God opens the church up to something even more broad than they had been expecting and living into. If you have your Bibles, you can open up in Acts chapter 9. I'll be reading out of the NIV, starting with verse 1, and it says, Meanwhile, Saul, that's Paul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey... Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul, they were speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by his hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, and I would add, understandably so, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done to the saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. For this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Do you mind if I talk to you as a grandfather or as a father, even though for some of you I would be more like a younger brother? Do you mind if I talk to you about some noticings that I have. This is a powerful, powerful part of Scripture. 
And I want, to, I want to approach this scripture in kind of a different way than maybe you've ever heard it approached before. As I said, this is a defining moment in the church. It's a defining moment in Paul's life. And I would, I would present to you that what occurs here is Paul has a change in the way that he perceives the world. His eyesight shifts here, and so does the church. See, I think I can speak as a father or grandfather. Um, it, wasn't, it was just a few weeks ago, our granddaughter, one of our granddaughters, Kirsten, said to Claire, she noticed that Claire had a little bit of silver hair coming in, and Claire was kind of moving, transitioning into a different color. And uh, Kirsten was uneasy about it, and she said, Grandma, you know, I see you have... I'll call it, she didn't call it silver hair, I call it silver hair. You have silver hair coming in. And she said, well, yeah, I've got some silver hair coming in. And she says, well, I don't want you to have silver hair. I want you to have brown hair, Grandma. And uh, Grandma, Claire, said, well, uh, Grandpa, or she said, well, why don't you want me to have silver hair? And she said, because that means you'll die. And she said, well, what do you think about Grandpa? (laughs) And Kirsten didn't seem to be bothered by that for some reason, but I'm okay. Anyway, as you get older, you kind of gather. I want to believe that you become more valuable, even though it's not scriptural. I believe you get more valuable as time goes on. You, you begin to get this treasure trove of commodities. You seem to gain silver hair. It's a great commodity. You seem to, as you get older, gain more gold teeth. You have a lot of gas in your tank, and you have lead feet. You got all these treasures. But I want to talk to you from a place of experience, of just watching the body and watching what's going on right now, and I have some concern. I have concern about our attitude. I think that Paul has an attitudinal shift. See, when you give your life to Christ, your attitude changes. When all things become new, one of those all things is you have an attitude shift. You begin to think on things not of this world, and you are invited into a place of a blessed attitude. That no matter what goes on, no matter how difficult the world may get and things are for me, and no matter what is called for from my life, I have and you have this opportunity to have an attitude and a perception of the world that's much different. See, in Acts 9, in the first 19 verses alone, there are 10 references, 10 references to the way Paul sees things and the way Ananias sees things. Ten times, in 19 verses, it refers to sight or perspective or attitude. Paul is going through a perspective adjustment, an attitude adjustment, and I believe the power of the early church was their blessed attitude. It was an attitude of gratitude. It was an attitude of forgiveness. It was an attitude of expectancy and big picture and faith. That is how a guy like Ananias can believe that Paul's life can shift because he has an attitude of expectancy and faith. In spite of what he sees in the natural and feels in the natural, in spite of the danger that he senses because Paul has been out putting an end to people's lives 
for their faith. He sees something beyond that. See, we've all heard that saying that your attitude determines your, or your attitude determines your altitude. But as a grandfather, I have to say, as a father, as someone that's been in ministry literally pretty much my whole adult life, I have to say I'm a little surprised at what I see in the church. Not just in Crossroads, but just in the church. I'm surprised at how our attitudes are showing up. I have said from the moment this thing has begun, whether it's COVID, whether it's the racial unrest, whether it's the election coming up, there is no more fertile ground that I have ever lived in than this season as, as far as being formed in Christ. And I would say at times we're failing as a people. I hear these, these sayings, they're almost like excusing our attitude, like this just isn't sitting right with me. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things sometimes that don't sit right with you. But when you use terminology or we use terminology just to be the thing that cloaks our bad attitude, we need to repent for that. This is the way that I'm seeing it. Or she is a strong woman or he is a man's man. If that's simply cloaking our bad attitude, all that means is you're an angry person. And your attitude needs to be adjusted. Or he just has a strong opinion. He loves God, but he has a strong opinion. Well, if your strong opinion doesn't line up with God's opinion, that's just your strong opinion that needs to be corrected in your life. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5. This was the invitation and description for a healthy attitude. How to honor God with your attitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, Jesus said, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. I have a question, really two questions. This question I'm going to ask and one right at the end. But the question I want to give you today is I just have read what Jesus described as what it looks like to have a blessed attitude is do you have a blessed attitude? Is your attitude blessed or does it need to be adjusted somehow today? Could I ask the people that you work with and they would say, yes, I have a blessed attitude. That guy's got a blessed attitude. Or the boss that you work for. See, you had a blessed attitude when you got that job for sure. I would guarantee you that you had a blessed attitude. Is it still a blessed attitude? Let me ask you students, the people that you go to school with, would they say, yes, my friend has a blessed attitude, or your teachers, or those you play sports with or do extracurricular, would they say you have a blessed attitude? If they could say yes to that, then I would say you're on the right track. 
How about the people? If I were to ask the people that you live with, would they say, yes, that person has a blessed attitude? Because when you were dating that person, you were blessed, right? You had a blessed attitude when you were dating. Would you have a blessed attitude if I asked the people you live with? How about the people you go to church with? Would they consistently be able to say, would we be able to say about one another, yes, that's a blessed attitude? Because we were blessed when we started. We were blessed in a different season. We should be blessed now. Our attitude should be blessed. How about the people that you minister with or you volunteer with? Would your volunteer team, if you have a volunteer team, would your volunteer team be able to say, their attitude is blessed They're engaging Matthew 5. They're like Acts chapter 9 where Paul has this reworking of his life. And don't kid yourself. Don't think it's only Ananias that's afraid of dying because Paul, Paul's afraid of dying because of what he's done to the people that he's being asked by Jesus to be vulnerable to. It's interesting, isn't it? See, we're all drawn to the promises of God, and rightfully so. We're all drawn to healing and wholeness and the promises around forgiveness and mercy. Keep pursuing those promises. The promise for protection and your finances and promises around stewardship. Keep claiming those promises. The promise of provision for your life and the goodness of God and the land of the living over your life. Keep claiming those promises, but do not forget. We dare not forget the promise that offense will come. That trouble will come. And we need to make the decision to let it go. I will not let this trouble, I will not let this inconvenience, I will not let this stage of of the world and this stage of my life be something that causes my attitude to go sideways. And all of a sudden I'm looking something like I have never desired. I didn't look like that before I gave my life to Christ. It's interesting, Claire mentioned the email that I received. Uh, Claire and I have said since everything is started, and we don't say this in any way other than to really try to encourage you all, since, since COVID started, since March, this has been the most intense time of ministry in Crossroads Church since the church plant. This is like a church plant. It was easier when we were 28 just because we were 28, and now we're 35. It's harder. Things are harder. Years later, but it's like a church plant. We're working more intensely than we ever have. And again, I get concerned because I'm hearing things, and Claire mentioned the email that came in. And it was interesting because I received that email that she was referring to, and it's not the only email. I'm not trying to pick on one person, and I'm not even going to tell you whose email it was. You probably don't even know the person whose email it was, but they did. They said, Crossroads is shut down. It's not the first time since March that we've heard that. And we're on the other end of this thinking, shut down. I would like to shut down for a few minutes just for some relaxation. This is not what shutdown looks like. And then people saying, you're giving in to the devil. And I... I don't want to share their email, but I want to share my response, because hopefully in the midst of my response, we can have some sense of how we should be responding, I believe, in the midst of the intensity that we're living in. I am so grateful for your heartfelt thoughts. I sense your care for Christ's body. 
I assure you that Crossroads is not closed for one moment during this difficult season we find ourselves in. The gospel continues to go forth, and we are seeing seekers come to Christ. Let me just stop there for a minute. When I received the email, I had just gotten done speaking with a young man that I've known his whole life who is stuck in addiction. In the parking lot here, I spent about 45 minutes just praying with him and and crying out that God could do something in his life. And I love this kid, and he's still struggling with addiction to this day. And then I came into this, and I I just wanted, wanted all of us to know, because you know this, we have not closed for a minute. The gospel continues to go forth. We're seeing seeking, the seeking come to Christ, the broken and the hurting finding hope and restoration. Our food pantry has continued to serve hundreds of people, hundreds of under-resourced people and families. Also, our online audience has continued to increase over these months. Our leaders are more vigilant now than ever Just today, I spoke to Pastor Carlo from Haiti, and together we were thanking God for the generosity of the many at Crossroads that have given over the last couple of months to the Haiti School Box Project. Hundreds of children will be fed and taught and will be immersed in God's Word for their life because we remain on mission as a local church. Yes, the auditorium and classrooms have not been opened up as yet. But we, as we have said since the inception of Crossroads, that, uh, that the church is not a building but a body. Don't we say that, gang? We, we've said that since we gave our life to Christ. And we say it because it's what the Scripture tells us. It's what Jesus taught us. We join with our brothers and sisters from around the world that have never had a building in order to be a part of a passionate Christ-following community. We love our facility, but we recognize that the church goes beyond its four walls. Our corporate pursuit of Jesus will never be dependent on things that are made of brick and mortar. These are simply tools we, fit, we thankfully utilize as we grow in our faith. People, not a building, not a video screen, not microphones, not sound systems, etc., people are the church. Therefore, governmental edicts, nor any other tool of the, of, of, of the world, will be able to shut down God's kingdom from going forth in the world. Jesus himself said that he would build the church. The gates of hell will never prevail against it. And with that in mind, I invite you to come back to an experience on a Sunday morning as we are presently celebrating. And I I went on, yeah. Again, it's not about that email because I, I feel the angst in all of us. We all have questions. We all have things that are inconvenient and hard. But we are the body of Christ We are called to be people with a blessed attitude. We are the salt of the world. We are the ones that should be up a, a city set on a hill proclaiming the goodness of God in the midst of the chaos and turmoil that the world is stuck in. What an amazing opportunity for us to shine. What a powerful moment for all of us to come together and to hold up one another's arms as the body of Christ and say, we can do this. 
The church will never fail. We just want to make sure that we're not in any way trying to encourage failure. Do you have a blessed attitude? It's interesting, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, you might have noticed already, blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. They will have the right perception. They'll have the right attitude. They will see things the way Jesus sees them. See, my older brother, most of you don't know him, but at 40 years old, he had his first heart attack. He will turn 60 tomorrow. We'll celebrate his 60th birthday. And over these last 20 years, he has had a lot of different procedures done. And some of those procedures have included catheterization of his heart and his blood, his, his vessels, his, his uh, system. He has had to have catheterizations done because there's been blockages and blockages happen over time. There was never like one time that, you know, he didn't eat, he didn't eat a Whopper and then suddenly have a heart attack. But it took a long time of different things and maybe at times not, not handling the stress of things right or not eating things right. And over this long period of time, he came to a place where he needed catheterization, where something could go into his arteries and veins and begin to clean out his body, to bring him back to health. It's a slow process to come to that place where your heart needs to be cleaned out. Jesus said in order to see the way the kingdom is is seen, you have to have a pure heart. You have to go through some catheterization at times of things like your attitude. You have to say, how, how does that happen, Scott? How does it happen? It happens by living with attitudes of gratitude and forgiveness. Attitude of generosity of heart. Attitude of love. Attitude of forgiveness and compassion for yourself and for others. A blessed attitude. I think few people in Scripture show us that shift more clearly than the Apostle Paul. That even though slow but sure over his life, he was accumulating a blockage at one moment in a moment it shifted. I would just say this, be careful what you allow to accumulate. Because you may think that it doesn't affect your heart. You may think that being angry in a way that is sinful, there is anger that is an anger around justice, but there is anger that is sinful. The scripture says, be angry and sin not. When the anger is inappropriate, it needs to be cleaned out. Which brings me to the question I want to leave you with. What is it, if anything, that you might need to let go in order to have a more pure heart? In order to see God more clearly?
in order to rest in the fullness of what God has for your life and the life of the body of Christ, what needs to go, what needs to be catheterized. So God, even now, we open ourselves up to the precision of your surgery and our spiritual system in our lives. Give us a pure heart, O oh God. Give us eyes that see your kingdom. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Can you just whisper that right where you're at if you're online or sitting in this parking lot? Let's say that together. Bless, say it after me. That'll be easier. Blessed are the pure of heart. Blessed. For they shall see God. God, we want to see you so desperately work and move in our lives, move in our nation, move around the world. We receive, God, your goodness, your love. We repent for anything that is not in alignment with your kingdom purposes in our life or the life that, of this world that you've called us to be in and among and shining as a bright hope in the midst of difficulty. So we receive, God, we receive forgiveness. We receive a good attitude. We receive, God, vision like you would see one the people that are around us and the people that we're serving you with, God, and the people that are broken and hurting. We want to see more clearly, God, your purposes for our life and for this world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Lord, bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord's face turn toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.
around you. Come on, let's go there. All around you, within you, God is with you. Come on, Jess, in the morning. In the morning, in the evening, in the coming, and you're going, and you're weeping, and rejoicing. God is for you, God is for you, God is for you. today, as you go forward from this place, and throughout this week, remember the words of that song, God is for you, God is for us. Don't weaken, stay strong. God bless you all.